I do suggest that you know, folks try to get out and early on, because if they get used to it early on, then it's something they could do as the disease progresses. Hi, I'm Bobby. After being a caregiver for my father-in-law for seven years, I knew that I wanted to support other caregivers. I am now a certified caregiving consultant, a certified caregiving educator, a caregiver support group leader, and an international speaker on caregiving issues. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. I won't forget your wine, sweetie. I appreciate that. So let's talk a little bit about early onset dementia and how it strikes people in the prime of life and just turns their world upside down. So many people think of dementia, Alzheimer's, Lewy body, whatever form it might be. It's something that uh, affects old people, but more and more it's, it's becoming more common for what's called young onset or early onset dementia. And because of this, so many people are absolutely unprepared for the changes it's going to make, not only in the life of the person with dementia, but their family members as well. That brings us to today's guest, who was a pilot for 37 years, whose last job had a managing pilots in flying Boeing 757-767 aircraft all over the world with UPS. In his 50s, he needed a heart valve replacement, and his partner Catherine was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's. He and Catherine have a history of as endurance athletes, so the reaction to the news was to sell their home and become nomads, running marathons and half-marathons in 35 countries on all seven continents. We are very pleased to welcome Tony Copeland-Parker. Welcome, Hi, Tony. Tony. Hello, how are you doing? Glad to be here. Tony, your story is, is unique to what I've heard from anyone who is living with dementia. Tell us a little bit about when Catherine was diagnosed and how the two of you made the decision to sell your home and take off around the world. Well, it was not a decision that was made lightly. It was kind of uh, a number of things had to happen simultaneously for us to make that decision. Uh, first off, uh, Catherine was at risk of losing her job, and I had uh, gone through all the requirements to get her on disability. With uh, She was working for the government at the time. Uh, so we did that. That was taken care of. And then I was looking at possibility of continuing working, which a lot of people do. They go ahead and leave a loved one at home, they continue working because I was only 59 years old. She was 53 at the time. And we thought that that would be a possibility. Um, we were, like you said, endurance athletes. So we had been running quite a bit and we had some races coming up and we thought, well, we'll go ahead and we'll, you know, continue to do the races. And we put our house on the market to be sold figuring that it would take a while for the house to be sold. But by chance, someone came in and said that they wanted a house right away. They had cash and they wanted us out in two weeks. So we set off originally just to run a couple of races. Um, I decided to go ahead and retire. And one race led to another. 
and six and a half years later, we're still on the road uh, as nomads. We go from place to place, usually staying in uh, hotels, or if we're on a tour with a running company, we'll stay with wherever they set us up to stay. Now, you mentioned that Catherine was about to lose her job. Is that because of the effects of the early onset dementia? Yeah, she had gotten a new boss, and he had his certain way of doing things. And for folks in the early, early stages, they use a lot of habits and routines to keep themselves going. And he was uh, breaking up the routines that she was used to doing. So uh, he was not very pleased with her performance and uh, was looking at the possibility of, uh, of actually having her fired. But luckily, through, wow. through the documentation that we were able, through the testing and everything, we were able to, to show that she had a disability. And the HR department stepped in and was able to uh, give her a nice severance package and uh, put her on disability with the government. So she still has life insurance and health insurance and, you know, has uh, uh, a nice little uh, stipend coming in once a month. And then we went to Social Security and had her put on disability there also. That's usually a little tougher than that to crack. You've been doing this for, what, six years now? Yes, yes. We started our sixth year back in December of last year. And uh, as long as uh, she can continue running, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. Right now we're in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we leave here, we go to Bloomington to see her daughter and grandkids, and then on to Carmel, Indiana to do a half marathon there, and then Charleston, Virginia for another half marathon, and then uh, Newton, Iowa for another half marathon. So we have a pretty busy schedule, and we, we keep busy. And that's one of the things that I early on thought that would be good for her was the exercise routine and also seeing something new and exciting because that has a tendency to go into long-term memory uh, since the short-term memory is what is, is initially affected. So that would keep her something uh, motivated to keep going. That was a question I was going to ask, how she managed with everything being new and different so often, uh, whether or not she was confused by it and that caused some difficulties. But, you know, your last comment, I'm had me going, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, as she refers to it, as I move her cheese every day. So it uh, causes her <laughs> to have to, to think about, you know, where's the bathroom today? And where's the, you know, where's the refrigerator? And where are these things? So she has to, to really continue to use her mind. As opposed to if you're sitting at home, you know, you're just trying to figure out where your keys are, where you put your keys or your you know, your pencil or whatever, and you're running around the house all day long trying to find it while your loved one is at work. So that's one of the reasons why we decided to do this as a team, um, to be together all the time as opposed to being left alone to fend for yourself. So I, I know COVID has put a crimp on a lot of the international, well, mostly all the international stuff. Um, once things open up, are you planning on going back to doing the international travel and the marathons, half marathons internationally? Yes, we are. And we, uh, one of the tour operators that we worked with quite a bit over the years 
I just had a discussions with them uh, about the possibility of going to Germany in September. So we're looking at that as a possibility. I don't know whether they're going to make it or not, but as soon as it does open up, if we have our vaccines already, and if we have to put it on our phone and prove to whoever that we've been vaccinated to let us into our country, you know, that's, that's what we're willing to do. We have uh, in October, November timeframe, we were in Mexico. We were able to get into Mexico and also Aruba. Aruba let us in uh, with a COVID test on the way in. And, and then you get a COVID test on the way back out to get back into the United States. So uh, as a matter of fact, we were in St. Kitts last year. We had come off a cruise when we were in St. Kitts when COVID hit. Uh, so the lockdown in St. Kitts, they closed their borders. They were not letting anybody in or out. Uh, and we got stuck there for about a month. But we eventually were able to get out of there and came back to the United States. Now, I've often heard that what's um, good for your heart is good for your brain. And we know that exercise is good for your heart. Do you have any information for us and for our listeners on how a, a history of exercise helps people cope with dementia? Yes, there's been a lot of research. I've done a lot of research on this fact. And as a matter of fact, what they say is that intense exercise, you know, if you go out and you walk your 10,000 steps, that's one thing. But you really have to get your heart rate up. You have to sweat. And you have to be breathing quite hard. And you need to do this for at least 45 minutes to an hour. And some studies have shown that it's, they suggest at least six days a week. And that's what we try to do. We, um, one of the great things about uh, Catherine is the fact that uh, running is, and biking and swimming are a resilience that she has. You know, you've heard of folks that used to be singers can still sing, used to be writers can still write, and used to be dancers can still dance. Well, her resilience is running, so that's not been affected. So she, you know, even though her memory has been affected, she she can still get out there and run. So what we do is we go out and we exercise. As a matter of fact, we're all dressed right now, and as soon as we finish up here, we're going to go out for probably about an hour run and get our exercise in today. Yeah, it takes me about a week and a half to run for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, what we say baby steps there. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm envious. I used, to, I used to love to run. I always said the first mile was hard, and after that I could run forever until yep. uh, I popped a couple of discs in my back and can't do it anymore. So oh, I, I envy you both. <laughs> so I, I saw in, in the write-up, and it, it kind of made me chuckle, where you said that, that uh, Catherine is just double tough and that she walked a half marathon a couple weeks after breaking her ankle? Yes, we were. We had a slip and fall. We were on a cruise ship uh, in Tahiti and she had a slip and fall and the folks there took really good care of her and we had we spent a month in Papete right after that cruise for her to heal up. Not out of uh, necessity it was just that that was on our schedule because we were going on to australia and no sense coming back to the united states so we just stayed in tahiti for a month and then we went on to australia to do the outback um marathon and half marathon there 
And she was like, no, there's no way you're going to run and I'm not. So uh, she had a boot on. And she went out there and she did the half marathon with her boot with a cane and, you know, sand and all. And I, I had visions of her, you know, falling over and, you know, being stuck out there. But she did a half, I did a full, and she was waiting for me at the finish line <laughs> when I got finished. She's quite a lady. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's one of the things that I love so much about her is the fact that she's so tough and she just refuses to give in and give up on this. That that now, just blows my mind. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like to hear about the effect it's had on you because I imagine that you're making accommodations to help her find where the bathroom is, to help her understand where she is, uh, where you put the cheese. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things about me is I, as being a pilot for 37 years, I, I love to travel. So that aspect of our lifestyle is, is very pleasing to me. I'm also was a manager at the last airline I worked for. So um, managing assets and trying to figure out how to get from place point A to point B is something that I love. So I put the jigsaw puzzle together like we were in Tahiti. Okay, we're in Tahiti. We need to be in Australia. You know, where are we going to go next? What are we going to do next? So uh, I've, I've been putting the plan together, together, you know, month by month, and I really enjoy that. The other thing is that I have uh, a tendency to have a very positive attitude as a pilot, you have a, you, your mindset has to be that you're going to get the plane back on the ground safely. There's no other alternative. And for me, my plan is for her to one day be cured by, uh, from Alzheimer's. And what I plan on doing is trying to have her in a position so when a cure is found, that she still has enough of her brain power available for the cure to be uh, available. So I'm always researching. I'm always doing whatever is necessary to, to keep her going and keep her spirits up and, and keep as much abilities available. So when they do find one, which I believe they will um, sometime in the, in the not too distant future. Well, you all certainly, we all certainly pray for that. And now you mentioned you you have a positive attitude, and I think that makes a big difference when we're dealing with something like this. Because, frankly, what you are living with this 24-7, seven days a week for years. And, you know, a number of people find it extremely difficult. Um, but having a positive attitude absolutely makes a difference. And uh, that's one of the things that Mike definitely has. <laughs> well, that's... that's that's very good. That's one of the things that is necessary. You can, you know, the glass can be half full or half empty. It all depends on your attitude towards it. That's what we're going to do until, you know, the day that we find out that uh, it, it didn't work out. And But at the same time, we're going to enjoy life every day. You know, you said the glass half full, half empty. I say the glass is completely full because what's not liquid in the glass, there's air. Ah. <laughs> I like that. So I say the glass is completely full. Okay, I got to remember that one. Go well, for you it. Also, you also say when you wake up in the morning, you can decide if you're going to have a good day or a bad day. And that's right. I yeah, I read that in a uh, Dale Carnegie book. It said, you know, when yeah. you get up in the morning, you decide whether you're going to have a good day or a bad day. And if you decide it's going to be a bad day, it goes downhill from there. Yeah. But if you decide it's a good day, it goes uphill from there. 
And that really changed a whole lot of my attitude in life because I come from a long, long, long line of severe pessimists. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does, does uh, Catherine get frustrated? Oh, yes. And, and we have bad days. You know, everybody does. Uh, it, there's nothing you can, you can do to stop that. But at the same time, when you are getting ready to go run along the China Wall or you're going to run across uh, the Champs-Élysées or, you know, I can just go on and on about the things that we've seen over the years. It makes it puts things in perspective, and also you, we've seen quite a bit of poverty in, in our travels, and people that you know do not have anything that are begging for for money and, and property, and or you know carrying a jug of water for miles and miles. Just that's their chore for the day is just to go out and get water. So it puts things in perspective. Absolutely, um, you know, as I listen to the life that you two have built together not only before, but now during this time of living with dementia, you are in a position that many, many people aren't. And I'm trying to noodle through how to take these lessons into a much more limited experience. So if somebody can't, can't run a marathon, no, go ahead, Tony. Yeah. What I was going to say is that, uh, you know, we all start off running or walking or some type of exercise at a very small incremental portion in their lives. And I, I, I joke and I tell everybody all the time is, you know, just go sign up for a 5K. Go find a, a charity, a cancer, lymphoma, you know, Alzheimer's or whatever charity and go out there and just walk it. And you'll see people that'll go by you that are, you know, with a, on crutches, you know, pulling a wagon that has the oxygen tank in it. And you'll say to yourself, well, wait a second, you know, I, you know, I can do that. And then you just set up a goal and you do a little bit better and a little bit better, you know, in terms of, you know, not traveling all over the world, but there's so much to see in your little town that you didn't even realize that, you know, your local town, you know, go to the museum, go, you know, go look at the statues, go, you know, go to the, one of the things we love to do wherever we go is you know, to go find the, uh, the uh, gardens and, and go find the, and the zoo and things of that nature so we can just, you know, be in touch with nature and, and get out there and see what, what's available. So I, I, I guess the, the, the main thing that I'm trying to say is get out of the house, you know, and also realize that this is a team effort. I know that with early onset, one of the terrible things about it is it usually strikes me in your prime. You know, you're mm-hmm. you know, early fifties or late fifties, and you know, for me, I was still climbing the ladder and of my career, and I just made the decision that you know I could climb the ladder, or I could still you know try to grasp that brass ring, or you know we could take this as a team effort and and go ahead and and try to make the best of it. So. And that's why I made a decision to retire and, and just go ahead and see what we could do with the time we had left. Now, you know, that's the, the one thing is that a lot of people look at early onset Alzheimer's as a death sentence. Okay, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going to die from. I'm either going to get pneumonia or I'm going to, you know, stop eating or, you know, that's what's going to be listed on my death certificate. But at the same time, there's, there's 
they're forgetting about all their life, all the years that they're going to have. Because you're going to be you're going to be on this earth for quite a while. You know, Captain's been at this for seven years. He's probably we probably knew about something was wrong three years prior. They say as long as ten years prior. And, you know, she's going to be around for quite a while. If they find a cure in that period of time, she's probably going to die from something else. So you might as well just go ahead and say, you know, let's make the best of it. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, Tony, you said, you know, look around locally, what what you have locally. And it's so, so true. Uh, Bobby and I did some traveling over to um, Ireland and we stayed in bed and breakfasts. And the, our host, we would always ask our host, what would you recommend? What are you proud of in this area? You know, we can go kiss the Blarney Stone and we can go see this and that, like as any travel book. But what do you think is really cool? And we came upon some amazing things that we would have never seen or known about had we not asked that question of the locals. So, yeah, the local stuff is is really, really cool stuff. Well, e- really, even here at home, and there is an organization that's trying very, working very hard to get people who are living with dementia and their family members out in the community, and that's called Dementia Friendly America, um, where people who are educated and in the caregiving world go out and teach people in businesses and restaurants and doctor's offices and police stations and fire stations about how to respond when somebody comes in and is confused and they actually get um, a sticker to put on their window letting people know that they're dementia friendly. Um, Some restaurants have dementia friendly tables set aside. Because unfortunately, one of the reasons that Alzheimer's and dementia are seen as old people's diseases, because it's a matter of perception and everybody is in their homes. They rarely come out. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, There's quite a bit of stigma that's attached to it. And one of the things that I've seen is that I I get uh, that ad comes across not now, but it did prior to COVID was the fact that there was a group that would, would go on a cruise and they were they would have plenty of caregivers and they get the, the caregiver opportunity to do some things on their own while you know their loved ones being watched by you know someone within the group. And you know that's something and and I I don't see a lot of people out there traveling and I do encourage it because it is not that hard. And I know that people say, oh, no, I would not even think of taking my loved one out on an airplane or on a bus ride or on a cruise ship. But, you know, you'll be surprised at how accommodating, you know, folks in those industries are. You know, they might not, you know, I don't have to identify the fact that Catherine's got Alzheimer's, but you can tell that the, you know, wake staff that after a couple of days, they realize that something's there and they, they go out of their way and they help and the tour operators that we go with, they do know, we, we do identify. And, you know, the folks that are on tour with us, they, they make sure that they're looking and they, you know, they're, you know, being accommodating to us. So I do suggest that, you know, folks try to get out and, you know, early on, because if they get used to it early on, then it's something they could do as the, as the disease progresses. 
Well, I know that the Alzheimer's organization has them, and, and Mike and I have actually created our own, and they're like a little business card, and on the words are the person that I'm with um, has has a form of dementia and may be, seem confused, um, please be patient. And that way, right. you know, even a stranger who may not be reacting well, um, you can pass them that without embarrassing the person uh, with dementia and let them know what's happening. And like you said, people are much more understanding and accommodating when they know what the situation is. Yeah, we. it amazes me the number of conversations that we've had with folks where, you know, we'll be sitting around the table, you know, let's say we're on a cruise and we meet a couple and we're talking and they're starting to notice something, you know, a, a bit odd and, you know, Catherine will tell her, you know, for straight up, I just want you to know I have early onset dementia and I might be a bit confused when you ask me a question. Tony's my brain here, you know, if there's any detail he'll answer her. for you. And the conversations that, that go out of that, oh, yeah, my aunt, my uncle, my mother, my sister, I mean, this, this disease permeates throughout the society. There is, you know, you probably, you know, you could ask anybody, they know someone who has. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's growing every single day. I know I describe it as a tsunami that's, I used to say it's headed our way, but it's already here. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, it's a, it's another worldwide pandemic, but the, the COVID one is getting all the attention right now, but right. it's also much more visible. It's much more visible. Yes, it is. And it was very, it was very hard on her when we had to, so what we did is we left St. Kitts and we came back to the Louisville area because that's where her family is. And we thought, okay, we'll get back to family and that'll be fine because socialization was gone. You know, the wait staff, nobody would talk to us. Everybody's wearing masks and that lack of socialization was really affecting her uh, because they say socialism, you know, keeping the person social, trying to get them to talk, trying to get them to verbalize is something that you need to do. And talking to me is one thing, but being out there and talking to others is something else and something that she wants to do. But when that socialization, because of COVID struck and it started closing down, we thought that we would come back and spend time with the family. But unfortunately, we had to go into quarantine, so we couldn't see, we couldn't see anybody. And, you know, we, you know, it was just one of those things. Uh, it, it got better over time, but... Um, I understand that it's been devastating to folks with dementia and Alzheimer's. And it's hard on the family members, too, to be yes, that isolated is. as, as friends and family drop off. Yes, it is. As we come towards the end of the, the episode here, um, you started doing a blog a while back, and you've described it as part travel log and part medical memoir. How does one... Um, go to your blog, I mean, like a URL, and we will post this on our website. I, I started this uh, when I had, um, I found that I had a leaky heart valve, aortic heart valve, two years prior to our retirement. So I started the blog talking about the, the what it what it means to go through, you know, that type of procedure. And then when we retired, I continued on. The name of the blog is Play Hard, and then there's a hyphen, havefun.com. And the meaning behind Play Hard, Have Fun is the fact that my, my three kids played soccer and basketball and 
you know, they were they were very active and we were always going out there and I used to always tell them to play hard, have fun. That's all I cared about. You know, winning and losing was not was not the issue. It was just, you know, going out there and giving them their all and having fun at the same time. So that's the genesis of the name of the, the uh, blog is playhard-havefun.com. And I still write to it. I, I continue to, to write to it. I have a, a book that's coming out that'll be coming out in May of this year. It's uh, running all over the world our race against early onset Alzheimer's and it's going to be published and should be out here uh, in May. Well, Tony, it's been an absolute joy having you on and absolutely fascinating for me to listen to your travels and, and what you and Catherine do and, and how you handle, you know, how you have the grace in the midst of the adversity. And it's, it's kind of inspiring. And I thank you for uh, being on the show. I was just going to say that one of the things I always try to do is inspire till I I expire. So thank you very there much. You for <laughs> I love that. Um, thank you, Tony. I'm so glad that I found you. You're quite welcome. You guys have a good, great day. So you I love what same. he just said. Inspire yes. until I expire. I, I, I'm going to use that for sure. And no, I, enjoyed no, the, I enjoyed the fact that he... Um, correlated his being a pilot and getting the plane on the on the ground safely was not a choice and always having to have that in the forefront of your mind of figuring okay if if this happens I'm going to do this and how it's informed what he's done with Catherine yes absolutely um and I also like the um play hard have fun and that he had seen things about the dementia cruises and if you remember we had Kathy Schofon who did the the cruises so uh kind of came full circle there and getting out in the community and taking baby steps no not everybody can do a marathon or a half marathon but they can go for a walk and if you can't go for a walk then maybe somebody can pull you in a wagon (laughs) you said that with uh such uh emphasis that i should pull you in a wagon someday absolutely not i'm going to be walking i'm going to be walking i might be pulling you <laughs> you can find more information about tony on our show website at roger show this has been roger that i'm bobby and i'm mike and we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia so please subscribe to the show go to itunes or the roger that facebook page and post a review and follow us on facebook and twitter If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. If you would like your identity to remain private, you can direct message your question on Facebook and we will answer. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that, dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights. 
from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.